This is episode 169 of the Focused Mindset Podcast. Today, you get to listen to the second half of my conversation with Dr. Dawn Mann. She's doing such a wonderful job helping us understand how hope can help our children succeed, and it can help us succeed too. If you missed the first part, jump over to 168. We're going to continue our conversation where Dawn's going to talk to us about how math scores can go up when our level of hope is higher. I've been guilty of saying I'm not a math person, but after this conversation, I should stop that. Also, happy Mental Health Awareness Month. It is May, and it's a time when we talk about how we can help ourselves feel calm, connected, and healthy. And I developed a special resource for you for every single week of May. I call it Marvelous May Mental Health Awareness Month Family Support Pack. And every week you get seven videos with activities and a special bonus activity from me. The only way you can get that is by being a part of my Hope Notes community. And you can do that by hopping over to my website, thefocusedmindset.com. I'll leave a link in the show notes here on this podcast and every podcast in May. Or you can find the link on my Instagram, which is share.thefocusedmindset. That's share like my name, C-H-E-R dot the focused mindset. We're in this together, and I would love for you to get these very special resources. Okay, let's get started. This is a podcast where you learn how to build stronger connections and have better conversations using the solution-focused approach. I'm Cher Kretz. I'm a school counselor and a solution-focused life coach, and each week we learn new strategies so that we can build our families strong and be the person that we were always meant to be. You can learn more about our products and services by going to thefocusedmindset.com or hop over to Amazon to get 30 Days to Higher Hopes. So what motivated you to do a little research on how we can use hope to help people with a subject like math? Um, well, I, uh, there's a counselor in my district, um, Dr. Beth Bruh, who's actually one of the, the ASCA finalists this year. And she's been working with students in math anxiety for a few years now. And um, in, in talking to her about some of her closing the gap work and, and that's when she started talking about the math anxiety. It, it's, it's again, it's one of those moments I was, I was so intrigued, so intrigued. And I thought, oh, I want to come and do some work with you with this math anxiety that you're doing with your, your, your students. And so when I called, she said, of course, okay, yes. And, um, and I said, okay, what do you need? And she said, you know what? I really need tier one lessons for third grade, fourth grade and fifth grade, because last year we delivered the exact same lesson to the third, fourth, and fifth grade students. So, I, But I can't do that because the fourth and the fifth graders, you know, they've already seen that lesson. And um, so I, I, I need, need new lessons. And I was like, okay, well, if you're going to create tier one lessons surrounding math anxiety 
there's a lot of reading that you need to do about math anxiety, how it presents itself, what are some of the causes, um, and then how we can really help students um, achieve that. So I started reading, and then the more I read about it, the more it just made sense to me that if we can increase students' ability to um, think about what they want um, from a situation, what they hope for a situation and really the math and the math performance and the decrease in the math anxiety. And if we can teach them the various pathways to get there, and then if we can teach them how to have the agency with which to get started, and then we can talk about the various barriers that come into play and then how they can learn how to navigate those barriers I just thought it would be really, really interesting to see if we teach that whole, what is it that you hope to see or hope to accomplish or hope to have happen in the situation. If we could see an increase in students' hope, if we could decrease their math anxiety to then increase their ability to display um, or, or their math performance because the anxiety will get in the way of that ability to perform, even if students actually understand the math and know how to um, work the problems. So that was kind of, that. that's how all of that um, came about for me because Beth, um, Beth was really working on the math anxiety piece of it. Um, but I thought I would really like to infuse that the science of hope into working on students' ability to decrease their anxiety and also just in general, increase their their academic confidence. So having more hope gives them the confidence they need to do better. And so the things that they learn, they're able to access and the times of anxiety, is that kind of how that all works? So let's think about it um, this way, especially, do you like, do you like numbers? Not a lot. <laughs> okay. So, and they're not my favorite. Now I can, I can mess That's around with the numbers. That's why we became counselors, right? Work yes, with people, see, not yes. numbers. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so I never thought math was particularly difficult, you know, or anything. But when I tell you, I am so not interested in working with numbers at all, Cheryl, if you say to me, Don, what's 45 minus 10? Now, can I tell you that answer? Yes. But what I most likely say is, Cheryl, don't you have a calculator? Can't you do it yourself? <laughs> Can't you ask somebody? Because I, I, I just don't want to do the numbers. So what happens then when that's kind of your mindset and you're in school, though, and there's math in front of you that you must complete? So if you look at that 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 first problem, and it, 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 it could be homework, it's on a test, but when you, when you get somewhere and you're looking at it, the first thing that you do is, it's, 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 you freeze and you panic, and then you say, I don't know how to do any of this. Right, right. I don't know how to do any of this. If though, you can set a goal, and maybe your goal for the situation is, let me first identify what I know. So let me first, let me take stock of what I'm thinking mm -hmm. or what I'm feeling in this moment. And so that I can then have um, not, not respond to this situation emotionally, but I can respond to this situation in a way that I can move forward, right? So that, so let me think about that. And then let me first identify what I know about this problem in front of me. And let me, let me start there 
and then kind of see where I can go. Well, first of all, we're we're talking about your your goal for that situation then becomes to understand or to identify what you know about a problem. And then from there, and then once you identify that, then your your pathways are thinking about what 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 are the different what what is that information? And then once I know that it's and it's, it's an addition problem or it's a subtraction problem or it's a percentage salt, you know, calculating problem, then what are the steps then that I need to take? So what are the steps that I need to take then to solve this problem? Well, um, if I'm having some problems, then what I want to know how to do is then look at my resources, uh, maybe look at my notes, maybe um, ask uh, someone I, that I know who really understands this, maybe it's circle this so and write a note so that when I'm in class the next day that I can talk to my teacher about, I was able to start here, I was able to identify what I knew about this problem, but I just couldn't get started with solving this problem. So that's where I need help. Um, those are all the different options to help you um, get started with moving toward being able to solve your problem in math. And then also kind of sprinkling that in with um, being able to navigate that barrier if you try some of these different things and you're still not able to start. Um, so we just kind of wrap um, uh, wrapping hope around um, that math anxiety that way with um, helping students understand how if they, and, and, and it's not about setting goals for um, a grade, a particular grade, but it's really about um, setting what they hope um, to learn or what they hope to accomplish based on where, where am I? Like, yeah. where am I? What is it that I need in order to be okay in math? That's a really interesting way to look at because you're right. The anxiety of looking at the paper and seeing this problem shuts down their common sense. And so, you know, it you're does. basically just bringing their own common sense that they already have back into play. Back into play. Absolutely. Yeah. Because they do. Mm -hmm. And they I, do. I wonder, I mean, I wonder if we started with that sense of relaxation and saying, Okay, you you have skills to solve problems. What do you think the first thing that you could do would be? If we can teach them that they can solve a, a problem through basically understanding that they have confidence within themselves. When they're young, then when the math gets hard, they can use that same skill over and over and over again. Yes. So what what have you found when you put together those lessons and combining with the goal of helping them have less anxiety? What have you found? So that's a that's a great question. It's an early question, though, Cheryl, and here's why. Beth and her colleague just delivered all the tiered lessons um, this semester. Wow. And, um, and so they are they haven't started um, with the analyzing the data. What they were going to do initially is pull anyone after the tier one lessons with high levels of um, math anxiety, and then also with low levels of hope and run small groups. Yeah. Um, and then they're looking, they always tie their math anxiety to their math index. So it's a standardized assessment that they give students. And so we're in the uh, progress. And then this, this week, actually, I was in Jacksonville, Florida, helping uh, one of my uh, 
former colleagues deliver the lessons to some fifth grade students. And uh, so we were just getting started with that, but we'll have that data collection on the end. Um, yeah. But it's it's been really good, though, being in the classroom with the students. They're so much fun. And uh, and it's it's been a really neat thing to actually see them understand some of the strategies that we're teaching them. And um, so that's been really good. But the actual data to tie it to right. um, achievement, that's forthcoming. Yeah. I mean, but it, t- it does take time. But I think the first things we kind of see before we even collect the data is some of those students smile and try when they, when they, you know, they started out saying they couldn't do it at all. Mm-hmm. So, um, so tell me about the class. I mean, what, walk me through a little bit about how this lesson looks and what you're doing in the classroom. Okay. So for third grade students, we focus on um, teaching students how to um, ask for what they need or want assertively um, because students have a really difficult time with that. And um, best students really were having a difficult time with that. So we teach them about that. And then to help them process that and apply it, then we move through various scenarios where we ask them some questions about what's happening in those different scenarios to get them to really think about is this student asking for something that um, they need? Are they asking in a way that's calm? Are they um, being honest in their requests? And so we kind of work through some of those scenarios. And then we just kind of go in uh, a couple of other times and then just really have them practice asking for help. I love that. Understanding when you ask for help and then having them actually practice for uh, act, uh, practice asking others for help. And then always everything is couched around an academic um, scenario, but then we'll we'll throw in um, social emotional scenarios too, just because we want them to understand that your ability to ask for help is something that you can use any and everywhere. So it's in school, it's with your teachers, it's with your parents. You can, so we're, we're teaching them that skill um, because we want them to especially be able to ask for help when they are struggling. I'm pretty sure you can relate to this, this also um, in parent-teacher conferences. It's not uncommon that a teacher says, well, Dawn is in class and she's there, but she never asks any questions. And then, then you you look at Dawn and it's like, well, why aren't you asking any questions? And Dawn says, well, I don't know what to ask. Right, right, right. So students have a difficult time a lot of times actually being able to speak up. Like you mentioned earlier, that self-advocacy, actually being able to speak up to get the things that they want or that they need. So we start off in the third grade teaching them that skill. And then in the fourth grade, we teach them a strategy um, that we're calling, is my pencil moving? And the the simple premise of that is, when you're writing and you know what you're doing, your pencil is moving. It just moves, it moves. But when your pencil stops, that's when there's a question. And here we teach them some different things that they can do to try to get their pencil moving again. And um, but then if all of those steps don't work, then we say you go to your teacher and you say my pencil stopped here because as a content expert, 
you may not be able to articulate that question, but your teacher can. And being able to go to your teacher and say, my pencil stopped here, or I couldn't get my pencil to start moving, which means that I don't know how to start this problem, then you don't have to sit there and be frustrated. You can actually get the help that you need in order to be successful as a student. And then that strategy works that strategy works anywhere. I, I use it with my keyboard, or I should say my fingers. If I'm trying to write something and then my fingers stop moving, then I know there's an issue. I can phone a friend. I can read some more. I can review what I've written because maybe I made a mistake and so I got off on the wrong track. But I, I can just use that that strategy as an adult. But one of the biggest, biggest things is to really get kids to understand that even if you can articulate that question, we don't want you to sit and just not get the help that you need. At least go show your teacher where your pencil stopped moving. And in Jacksonville, the other day, not the well, Monday and Tuesday, one of the other strategies is for the is my pencil moving is what if your pencil doesn't stop moving? and you finish your work. So that was so interesting because I thought, well, what does that mean? And should you do anything else? And the kids say, well, it, just, it means that you know everything. So I don't, I don't know that you really should do anything else. I was like, well, let's talk about that for a minute because we really wanna talk about growth. Let me give you an example. Suppose you have a new doctor and you go in and you find out that your doctor hasn't learned any more about medicine in the past 20 years. Then all of their little faces did this. Yeah. And they said, I want a new doctor. <laughs> I, said, <laughs> I said, I would also. So here you would have a doctor who's an expert, who's been an expert in the field. They finished the studies and the degrees that they need to finish, but there's always room to grow and to learn. So even if your pencil continues to move, there's still an elevated, um, there's still elevated practices that you can put in place to make sure that you're becoming an even more successful and competent student. Um, so yeah. we, so that's all fourth grade. And then fifth grade, we, we focus on, um, you know, what is it that you hope for, you know, math? What is it that you um, hope for your, your performance in, 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 in your math class? And then we, we set um, different ways to achieve um, that goal. And then we talk about how to navigate barriers and we talk about how to have that agency and, and get started. Wow. So you are so right that although we're focusing on the thing that many kids struggle with math, each one of those are ne necessary life skills, really. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that you touched earlier on the barriers of life. And um, I think that that's what stops all of us from moving yes. forward. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, we see a barrier and for some reason we can't say, wait a minute, something has stopped here. We make it maybe about us or think that something, um, something outside of our control has happened. And so everything stops. And, um, and wouldn't it be wonderful if we all took on that practice and just said, you know, let's take, let's take a mindful minute when we stop whether it be a project or a math problem, or even like you said, typing something we need to type and, and look at it differently, look at it through a hope filled lens rather than, you mm -hmm. know, everything's going wrong. <laughs> That's right. That's absolutely right. Yeah. 
I think that that modeling is so important because I think that um, our kids think when they're in math, they you hear things like, um, you know, this isn't relevant to me. Why do I even need to do this? I don't understand it. And all of these shutting down type conversations that happen. And we're not even uh, addressing that. We're just saying, well, where's your mindset in all of this? If you could do it, what would be the next thing you would do? Who do you mm-hmm. think might help you? It's a complete shift in the way that they look at the problem. Um, and they can't, they, they can't do anything but step forward. It seems like. Right. You're absolutely, you're absolutely right. That's what happens. And, um, at least in the research, and I think you and I, from our time in, in, not only in school as students, but then also as professionals in the field, there's so much, um, focus on getting the right answer. And one of the things that we also need to work on with our students is um, you won't always get the right answer. And that's okay because the beauty of it is you are going to figure out the misstep. And when you figure out the misstep, then you'll know how to correct it in the future or you'll have more information with which to solve your problems. That that's a really great learning process. And in in Jacksonville the other day when we were talking about um, the with if your pencil doesn't stop moving and, and you work all the way through, a part of that growth piece was think about how you can relate what you are learning today to something that you know in the outside world. So I was like, yeah. so let's take let's take an, an example. I, was, I said, you all have been uh, talking about geometry. And I said, where is geometry in your world? And right. they said, you know what? It's everywhere. And I was like, well, where is everywhere? And they said, it's our desk. It's the walls. It's the tile. It's the, you know, the ceiling. And it's the building. I said, absolutely. I said, let's talk about someone who actually builds buildings. I said, at the very bottom of each building is is something called a foundation. And the foundation may square, rectangle, something of that sort. What happens if the person who's supposed to lay the foundation doesn't understand what a square should look like? They said, that building's going to (laughs) fall. They were so funny. The common sense of it all, right? Yes, that building will topple over. I was like, yes, but that's the beauty. What you're doing in school actually matters. Mm -hmm. And sometimes even when we can't see it, it's there. So I would want you to think about what you're doing. If there's something that you can relate it to outside of the school walls, because that really, really intensifies and it helps what you're learning Mm -hmm. in school. Yeah, that um, that speaks to when we say, you know, you've done hard thing in, in, in the, in the world of, um, helping them get through barriers in their life. You could say you've done hard things before when you've done hard things before, what did that look like? And then bringing yes. it back to the hard thing that they're doing now, you know? Yes. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. That just made me think about that. Although math is our, our talk, it's a bigger talk because really what we're saying is, is that in any subject at any time, our minds can feel stuck. And by allowing us to have hope, right. And allowing us to feel that hope and giving people permission to say, okay, so I'm stuck. What's my next step. It's just a freeing experience. You know, my hope is that more parents can relieve stress from their kids by saying, what can we do more often Mm -hmm. 
than saying, you're getting this wrong, you're getting this wrong, your grades, uh, 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 you know, and the heaviness of what we tend to do sometimes when we want our kids to do their best. Um, yes. You know, just stepping into that realm again as we finish up, what advice would you give parents now that you're on this side, you've worked with so many students, you've seen your kids grow and go through their ups and downs. If they're in the middle of the trenches and helping their kid try and get through these really tough things, what advice would you give them to help their kids feel more hopeful? I um, would start with that, with a question, just when, when your kids talk to you about something that's going on and sometimes they volunteer that conversation. And sometimes, you know, we, we have to be asked some questions and then we get there is to, and because what a lot of times we will do as, as grownups and especially as parents, we're accustomed to, uh, we have our careers, we are managing the house, we are managing many different things and we are in a rush. Um, sometimes that we will start problem, we will start giving those options to our students or to our kids. And um, without stopping to say, ask though, what is it that you hope for this situation? And then asking that question, I think, I think that you will see the kids do this. Oh, well, I, this is kind of new, but okay. So asking that question, and then based off of the response or the responses, then the conversation can naturally move to, well, okay, if this is what you would like to ha have happen, then let's talk about the steps that need to be put in place in order to get you there. And then, but not only that, but thinking about then, so how do you see yourself starting this? Do you see yourself taking these steps? And then when they say, yes, I do, because they've had a really good hand in developing those steps. And it's really what they said they wanted for the situation, right? And then you also, though, have to carry it through and think about now, what if you get stuck here? What if you get stuck there? Who can you talk to? What might you need to look up? What might you need to read? Do you need to come talk to me? Or is there somebody else who would be a better person to speak to first? And just kind of having those conversations will teach the kids oh, so many skills. Yeah. That, that, that won't just be one skill that they're learning, they will learn multiple skills that will really carry them through the rest of their lives. Yeah. And I love how you touched on allowing them to do the hard work rather than the parents giving it to them um, because then it sticks because they take ownership. Mm -hmm. It's a whole new ball game because then they're, then it's their goal. It's their idea. It's what they hope to accomplish. It is. I like to think about it in terms of facilitating their ability to be amazing. Yeah. And that's what we can do is facilitate their ability to be amazing. I love that so much. Well, I know that I've been enriched by this conversation. I'm sure so many people have. Um, why don't you let us know where we can find you, what you're doing, if there's anybody listening that actually is interested in some training, um, where can we find you? Um, so uh, my website is um, www.newdawntraining.com and uh, there's a contact form there so you can reach out to me in case you have more questions or you want some training. Awesome. And, you know, I think that 
we all are in this together. And listening to things like this just brings us all back to the main message that um, we want to empower ourselves and our kids to do their best. And yes. what better to do it, what better way to do it than to lead with hope. So I'm so glad that you came on to talk to us about this. So, so thankful. Thank you for coming. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm glad you could join me for that wonderful conversation with Dr. Don Mann. And there's more special guests to come. We're going to do some special episodes coming up for the mental health awareness on some of the topics that are in the giveaway that I talked to you guys about. Remember, you aren't going to want to miss any of the weeks where I'm giving away this mental health resource for you and your family. Check the show notes or hop to the website, thefocusedmindset.com. And as we move forward through May and into the end of the year, I know that we're just anticipating the summertime, but there's so much work yet to do before the year ends. So take a deep breath, relax, and just take in every moment. Because even though we look forward to our future moments, the moment you're living in right now is precious and special. Now, if you are ready to build your hopes, remember, I've created a journal just for you that's on sale now on Amazon. It's called 30 Days to Higher Hopes. It's an interactive writing book that takes you step-by-step step using the science of hope. It has a hope scale in it, and you are going to love it. So hop over to Amazon and get yours today. And until next time, live solution-focused.